Hello everybody, welcome to this edition of Coffee Time. I'm your host, Byron. Alongside me is free agent pitcher, spent a little time over in Japan. Now back here waiting to wait for this whole ordeal with the lockout to get signed. Kevin Shackelford, how are you doing tonight? Doing fine, my man. Thanks for having me. No problem. So let's begin there. What have you been up to, and have you have what have you been trying to do be, before the lockout ends? Because I know it's a rough period right now for you players. Yeah, I mean, nothing really changes for me. It's basically just get ready, uh, and that's, everyone's just doing that. So as of now, I don't think they'll. You know, lockout's not affecting me um, besides other talking to teams but uh just get ready try to get as ready as i can for uh this upcoming season so what is your what is your regimen i know players have their regimen to get ready for the season what is yours yeah i mean i'm at the gym uh five times a week uh throwing i don't know either four to six times a week uh, about to get off the mound here soon um luckily enough the gym that i work out at uh which is crescent sports performance down here in florida uh, has all the capabilities, uh, a field, mounds, turf field, a baseball field, all that readily accessible right next to the gym. So that's it's been great to have all that available. Now is it a lot more different in the offseason for you pitchers than it is compared to regular players, like position players? I mean, yeah, I, I would say there's definitely uh, there's definitely a difference. Um, obviously, I've never had to go through the offseason as a position player, but, you know, we're not in the, the cages taking hacks. Uh, but I would say, you know, they, they probably have a little – they have a lot more to do, whether it's uh, working on their swing, getting in the gym, can, you know, their conditioning, uh, but also taking BP and throwing. So I would actually – I would say the position players have it way harder, I would think. Than us it's just throw condition gym you know so what is you what is your weapon trial what do you throw uh so throw a four seam sinker cutter and slider you have a dominating pitch uh yeah i would say slider uh historically my slider's been pretty good and i think when i was uh you know it was one of the better pitches uh i think my slider basically got me to the big leagues i would say so going through going through high school to college, would you say the slider was your go to pitch then? Oh going man, to so, the so so high school and college I was a catcher. Oh uh, really? So wow. Yeah, so nice. I got from ten, 10 years old to basically junior till junior year of college. Um I switched in the fall of my junior year to pitching. I threw seventeen innings in college none which were very good but i could throw hard so i got drafted in the 21st round and uh yeah and then i learned on the fly so everything was complete learn on the fly a lot of failure and uh yeah just kind of just kind of go with the ebb and flows of uh pitching so since you were spent a little time over there in uh japan league how different is it? Since you also were here, you you first started over here. What's what's difference between the two, or is there none at all? No, there's a, there's a big difference. Um, baseball is definitely different. It's not as uh, fast as the big league, meaning um, uh, like guys don't cover as much 
range as, as the big leagues. Uh, there's not as there's not as many dangerous hitters as in the big leagues. Like uh, you know, in Japan, you you have uh, you know a couple guys that might be able to uh, really do damage, and the rest are like a lot of slap contact hitters. Where in the states, it's like one through nine can take you deep. In Japan, you don't have to really worry about that. You can. Sometimes you can just throw it right down the middle and see how far they can hit it, and they'll pop it out the center. Um, and I would say, I mean, the just the, the players' talent levels is, I mean, it's there's nowhere better than than the big leagues. Um, Japan's got some great players, phenomenal players that can easily play in the big leagues, but it's just the talent pool is so much larger in in America than in Japan. Now, what but, what made you want to go over there was because nobody was itching to sign you over here what 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 made you want to go over to or was it the competition that made you want to go over there no i i wanted to go over there because uh i figured i was gonna have to sign a minor league deal over here and uh i could make more money over there and i wanted the experience uh i love the you know the cultural aspect of japan experiencing that culture seeing a new place uh me and my wife are are up for adventures and stuff like that. So we're like, let's go to Japan. Um, and I kind of was just, you know, I, I had, uh, I just knew it'd be an easier road. Uh, and it'd be a good first year back, go to Japan, you know, have fun, make a little money, have a new, uh, experience and experience a culture. It just seemed like the right thing to do. So when, when do you see back to the lockout? When do you see that being over and you guys can actually go to talking to teams again and actually go into the facilities? When, when do you see that being done and over with? Man, uh, I have no idea. Uh, I think that's anyone's guess. I'm not in those talks. I'm not really familiar, uh, honestly, what's going on. Um, so, yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. No problem. But I, I do know I do know the owners and the players both want to make money, so well, they'll get the talks done sometime. Yeah, just a matter to. of when. Yeah, you're right. Just a matter of when. <laughs> yeah. So, like you said, the the Brewers selected you in the 21st round of the 2010 draft, um, but unfortunately, you didn't make it to the Brewers. Unfortunately. Uh, but you did play in their Arizona League and all that. Take us through that experience. Um, did they say anything to you that one day maybe you might go up higher than the Arizona Fall League or Arizona League? Uh, well, I mean, that that was the hope. Is uh, you know, obviously when they when they the Arizona Fall League, which I'm sure you you probably know, is they they say it's like the uh, the graduating league um, before the major leagues. Yeah. And so I think anyone they put there, they hope that makes uh, makes it to the big leagues. Uh, but my 2014, so the year after the fall league, so uh, so 2013 was a fall league, got put on the the 40 man roster, and then uh, my 2014 year, uh, I was trying to play through some injuries, and you know that's my what my basically my fourth year ever pitching, and I'm trying to throw through things that I really had no idea how to handle, how to manage, and so I kind of had a crappy year. They DFA'd me. Um, but I mean, they had, you know, they had hopes that I was going to, uh, be someone. And I don't think, uh, the, the GM told me, you know, it wasn't because they don't like me. It's just, you know, I was an odd man out. It wasn't that they, they didn't think that I wouldn't be a big leaguer at some point. 
It's just they. I think they knew that they could DFA me, and since I wasn't a prospect per se, mm-hmm. and I was a, a high draft pick or like low or high, however you want to say it, the twenty first round, um, that they could most probably with high probability DFA me and still keep me, but open up a roster spot. So I think that was the the logic behind that, which they were right. So. Do you, do you think, though, because you lived it, I haven't, because I wanted to, but I was just never good enough. Do you think how to succeed in the game is to, like, going up, either high school, college, or pro like you were, it, does it take talent, or does it take who you know to get where you want to be? Uh, no, I mean, you obviously have to have the talent uh, or capability or... or potential you know to get there so you got to have the talent to get there but you have to have the mind it's not i don't think it's really who you know unless your dad owns the you know the big league team but you have to have the mindset that you're gonna you can play with anyone you're gonna make it and you have to have the the mental fortitude to deal with adversity because a lot of things come your way whether you get released get hurt you know your girlfriend breaks up with you mid-season uh you know Destin family, they're still going through, uh, you know, 100, 100 uh, what, 42 games, 162 games, right? Mm-hmm. That so much happens that you have to have a good mindset to keep you on the right path. But you also have to understand that you always have to get a little bit better and learn from all your mistakes. And so I really think it's it's the mental aspect that separates people. Um, and you obviously have to have the talent to, to get there. But I think the best thing about baseball is that you don't have to be the most athletic or gifted person to play baseball. You know, look at someone like Kevin Euclid, who had an amazing career. They always said he wasn't the most yeah. gifted or talented person. So, and especially to be a pitcher. I mean, I'm not knocking on pitchers. I am one. But, you know, there's some there's some pitchers that aren't very athletic, but they can throw. And they're smart. So, how'd, I think how, that's, that's what... Ha- how would you handle it, though, in the mindset of you? Like, how would you handle it like you just said you had to have the strong but how'd you handle it when you first got cut by the brewers yeah i mean well i learned through twitter so that was kind of bitter um like you guys Ooh. you guys uh you guys are you know dfa'd me on twitter that's that's how i found out on that Ooh. um yeah but you know i i understood it i understood like hey one if you're playing pro ball any professional sports you, as soon as you realize that it's a business, the better off you'll be, because um, then you won't really you won't take things personal because mm-hmm. you're like, and you try to step, take a step back and look at it like, okay, hey, they needed a guy for a roster spot. I was a guy that they could release or take off the roster and still keep. I'm like, hey, I understood it. Like, so I just it was, it, it was what it was, and I wasn't going to change anything by worrying about it or getting mad about it. Um, so, you know. So it was what it was. I'm not going to go through what because you already you already went through it basically about your 2014, 13 when you went up to the Arizona Fall League. But after uh, the 14 season, the Reds end up trading for you. Um, well, along with Barrett Austin yeah. on August 31st. What do you remember about that trade? Because you guys got traded for. Jonathan Broxton, that's a big name to be traded for. I mean, what what was going on through your mind when you got traded for basically an all-star p- 
pitcher. That honestly had to go through like, oh yeah, they really do want me. That, you know, how'd that feel? Yeah, no, it's funny. Uh, when that trade happened, it, it was, uh, you know, Broxton traded uh, to the Brewers for players to be named later. And I'm sitting on the couch in double A and I'm sitting there looking at a few dudes. And like, I was like, I was like, well, like someone got traded or whatever. Actually, we are talking about it. And then I, I told my buddy, I said, I said, uh, David, go for it. I was like, yeah, it's probably you. He's like, he's like, definitely someone on this couch. It turned out to be me and then Barrett and the, the lower levels. But uh, I was excited because um, it's just kind of a, you know, a new, new change of scenery. And uh, I was just excited that, uh, hey, you know, okay, they, they kind of want, they want me. But I think more so, if I'm really stepping back and looking at it, the Reds didn't want to pay, you know, John Broxton's right. uh, salary, right. right? Like, they didn't want to pay that 13 mil, and they're like, all right, we'll get two guys who are sinker ball guys that have potential. So, and that's what they got. Now, who told you you were being traded? Was it the GM, coach, or did you find out on Twitter, like, how you did, unfortunately, when you got released? <laughs> Uh, no, I actually got called. Uh, the assistant GM actually called me. Gordash called me, and I was in, I was uh, I was actually in Florida, and yeah, he called me and said, "Hey, Kevin, I just want to let you know you got traded. Uh, you were one of the players to be named later in the 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 Reds trade." And I was I was like, "Awesome, awesome, thank you." So the following year so, in 2015, you spend spend it with Double A Pensacola Brew Wahoos. What do you remember about that year with being with them? You went two and four, and you had a three seventy two ERA. What do you remember about that year with that team? Oh man, that was probably the funnest year I've ever had playing baseball. Uh, The group of guys on that team were just incredible. Uh, It was a really good team. Everyone meshed together. The coaching staff was awesome. Um, We had Pat Kelly and uh, we had Facero. We had Jeff Facero, who I think you interviewed, didn't you? Yep, I did. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, geez, I love Pensacola. It's funny. I was actually just talking about Pensacola tonight with someone. <laughs> um, but it was just such a fun time of baseball for me. Just we all meshed together. We all had fun. You know, I I, I did good. Um, but they were actually going to send me to the Fall League uh, mm-hmm. that year, too. I know the the farm director was saying hey we want to see you fall league i'm like hey i can't i gotta have surgery because i had it my nerve i had to have my nerve transposed Oof. which means flipped over my epicondyle or i don't know how you say it basically like another form of tommy epicondyle. john epicondyle some like a form of maybe tommy john like what you had no no it's it's uh it's just like your owner nerve runs down right here right that's your funny bone per yeah. se instead of it being in that groove mine was like too small and so it, it called subplux subplux which means like flip out of the groove so it would it would rub so basically it was going up and down over my my bone and then i couldn't feel my fingers when i pitch and that happened that really happened like later so i didn't get to go to the falling again um but i pensacola's got a great place in my little place in my heart I, i love that town um yeah it was a great year and speaking of speaking of Mister Fursar, since you just said that, do you do you uh, have at all have you t- at all talked to him since then? Since you had your experience with him, oh Jeff, yeah, yeah. We'll see. Jeff was my coach uh, from fifteen, sixteen, uh, and seventeen. So he was my coach in uh, AAA as well. 
and I actually reached out to him like probably right before I signed with Japan. I was trying to figure out some places to go. Mm. Um, but yeah, I talked to him for a little bit, um, you know, a year and a half ago or something like that. Yeah, if you talk to him again, tell him I said hi. He'll remember me. Yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure I will. So, uh, so in 2016, then you, like you said, you'd make the transition between Pensacola and the Louisville Bats, the AAA team. You went two and two, two o three ERA in 35 games between them. What about that year? What do you remember about that year? What was that 2016? You said? Yeah. Oh man, I started the year off on the DL with a torn, gr- torn groin, like torn adductor. Uh, so that was a, that was kind of a, a downer. Um, but I just remember hitting the ground running. I think I did pretty good in AAA. Mm. Uh, became the closer. Um, but I think that that year I felt really snubbed at the end of the end of the year because I felt like I at least deserved a look to get called up, and they didn't. Mm. And I know uh, Delano De Shields and Facero, they were all fighting for me saying hey call the guy up call the guy up and it never happened so that was pretty heartbreaking uh you know going back home the last game knowing you're not going up but hey like you know you probably probably deserved it but uh looking back you know that was probably that was probably one of the i don't know the best things for me because then the next year i doubled down because i was all pissed off and i was like all right well i'm gonna make them call me up i'm not gonna like leave it a chance i'm gonna make them call me up uh, but that was a good year. I mean, that was. I mean, any year you're playing baseball is fun, you know. But it's definitely a little bit different because uh, there's a lot more, uh, you know. I guess you'd say turnover with guys in AAA that come in and out, in and out. Double A was more like kind of like, hey, these are your boys. Uh, yeah. But we had a lot of the same team, and it was it was fun. But it seems like a little. It's kind of almost like some people take get a little more stressed out when they're when they get higher up because they know more money's on the line. You know, a chance to get called back to the big leagues is a one. Um, so we would call that uh, we get more salty guys, salty fets in AAA. So the following year, even though you did get released, you elected free agency that year, but you signed a minor league deal in 2017 with the Reds again, and they promote you to the major leagues for the first time on June 27th of that year, and you make your debut – Against the team that gave up on you. What was that experience like? I mean, it was kind of funny. Uh, You know, (laughs) it wasn't the best debut ever. I think I gave up four or five. I don't know how many runs I gave up. Yeah, four four runs. Four four runs. And all in the first inning, which was like, oh. Um, But it was cool. I mean, it was kind of like, I don't know. I I mean, it it was was ironic, I think is a good word to say. Um, you know, but kind of, I wish I did better, but I think I gave up the first batter. I gave up a home run, but I will say my defense, we're walking downtown before the game. My dad looks at this flagpole that just straight, just going like that. And, uh, the winds were howling and he's like, Oh shit. It's like, I hope you don't pitch today. I'm like, dude, why would you say that? You know, I'm going to pitch today. I mean, cause the, I knew the starter at the time was uh, having some troubles, and I knew that I'd be first one up because, you know, first day, rookie, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Or, and uh, sure, sure as shit if, hey, hey, 
I'm in in the third or whatever, or whenever it was. And uh, first batter, I throw, I think it was like Jonathan Villar or whatever. I throw a slider, and he's out front, kind of hits it. It's kind of soft. Like, I'm like, okay, it wasn't crushed. And then I'm like, all right, cool, pop up. And I turn around, I see Scott Shubler, you know, the right fielder is kind of like jogging and jogging. And he's looking, and he's jogging, he's looking, he's jogging. I'm like, what, what? And the next thing you know, he jumps, and then ball right off the, like, almost like off the tip of his glove, just right over the fence. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I'm like, it's a pop-up. It's a pop-up 99% of the time. Any any other day, if the wind's not blowing 20 miles per hour straight to right field. But, uh, you know, they call it, uh, uh, what do they call it? They call it uh, Great American Small Park for a reason. Well, yeah, unfortunately, that was just about to say that, but you beat me to it. He gives up the most home runs. That's what Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, I mean... It's a true hitter's ballpark. Yeah, so I gave up a few. I gave, I think, two home runs the first inning, but then I retired after I settled settled in. I retired the next seven in a row, uh, which was like at least like, hey, okay, he he's he'll be fine. He'll be fine. So, did you have your debut? Like, did you know you were going to actually debut that day? Did they tell you that? No. Or? No. No, I'm just glad they didn't debut me on the day I flew into Cincinnati because it was a uh, three o'clock wake up out of Norfolk, Virginia, catch a flight, fly in there, didn't even get the chance to nap, and I couldn't sleep the night before because you're all excited. Right, right. Um, yeah, and then uh, I was just worn out that day. But then it was a couple days. It was I think it was my third day in Cincinnati that I pitched. But no, they they didn't tell you. It's just hey, here you go. Do you? Did you have goosebumps there? Because I know, like you said, your family was there. So did you have goosebumps that day, your debut? I mean, I was uh, – I had some adrenaline going through me for sure. Uh, I don't know about goosebumps, especially after, you know, you have your first batter hits a home run. You're like, oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> now I was like, all right, all right. I was just like, all right, dude, come on. Go. Um, I was trying to actually, like, stay calm. And then I, after I gave up a few runs, I was like, nah, screw it. Like, I'm just going full bore. And then I started doing that, and I was like, oh, zero, zero, zero. Out, 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 out. I was like, so much for trying to stay calm. I should just, you know, full throttle it, and I'd have been all right. Do you remember who your first strikeout ball, uh, strikeout was against? And do you did you ever get to keep it, to keep the ball? Yeah, I think it was uh, Domingo Santana. It was Domingo Santana, uh, I, I, I think. I think, but yeah, yeah, they, they, they give you the ball. I think the first pitch, the first strikeout. Yeah. You get to keep. There you go. Do you still have those to this day with you? I, I, I hope my parents have them. I gave them, I gave them both to, to them because all the, the hard work and, uh, you know, just always being there for me. I felt like they deserved to have those. There you go. So in your time, yeah. I know it was a short time, unfortunately, but mm-hmm. What out of the hitters you faced, who would you have wanted to face? I know you got to face a few select, but who who would you have wanted to face before your time ended so far in the majors? Oh, definitely like Trout. I mean, I would love to, you know, just any of the best hitters. Trout would have been awesome. Um, you know, someone's like you know uh, Miguel Cabrera been awesome i don't know 
just uh, facing the whole Yankees team would be cool. Just at Yankee Stadium would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. For me, it's always like, why, why not go against the best, right? So whoever's really crushing it that year, like, that's who I'd want to go because, you know, that's, what you, that's where you see what you're made of and how your stuff plays. So, Do you think your rookie year was a success? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would. I'd say if you look at my first half, the numbers weren't that good. But if you look at the back, the like if you just cut the season, right, if you look at my uh, like later in August, September, October, my the numbers are completely different. But I started to – I basically started to shake. Uh, I started shaking because I wasn't, wasn't being uh, – the game wasn't being called the way that – I pitch, and so when I talked to some older guys and all that, and I started shaking off. Even though, hey, you know, you got a guy that's been there, but he doesn't know you, the catcher. Um, you know, it's not if they're not calling your game, and you're trying to do things that you've never done, you haven't done the last, you know, ever. Then you're not going to have success. So I had to go back to, hey, what got me there, and let's stick with that and see if that works. If that doesn't work, then we change it. But it proved that it worked because I think in September I had like a 1-8 and 13, 15, whatever it was, however many innings. So I went from mop-up man to, hey, 7-8 and even got a chance to, uh, to uh, for a save situation. Um, but I'd also say it was a success because I was in the rotation. Uh, Brian Price is like, hey, or not in the rotation, but on the team mm. the following year. He says, hey, as long as you don't absolutely you know shit the bed – in spring training, you're in my pen. He's like, I want you there. Mm. And then it was just so happens two days before we're leaving Cincinnati, my arm blows up. So, so let's say let's say this. I know you bullpen guys love to play tricks on each other. I know you were only there a rookie. You were only in the majors your rookie year so far. Do you have any funny moments your time your rookie year that you can share that? Do you remember that they pulled on you? Oh, man, no one really pulled anything on me, uh, to be honest with you. But I had pulled some stuff on other people. Like, I had this fake spider, and I had a fishing string. And I used to, like, Wani Peralta, I remember I got him good. Just walked through the locker room, and I'm pulling it. And then, it, you know, he's screaming. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, no, no one really was a that big of a jokester on, on the team that I that I saw. Only you I were, mean, I remember... Huh? What's that? Only you were, huh? Yeah, I mean, I like to have fun. Uh, we, I mean, we dressed up in uh, Teletubby costumes for, like, rookie initiation in Chicago. We had to walk, like, down the... What is it called? The Miracle Mile or, or whatever it's called where all the shops are on 5th. Is that 5th Ave or something? I forget. I think it's 5th um, Ave, yeah. I've heard that before. 5th Ave? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're we're like I don't know. There's like sixteen, twenty of us in Teletubby costumes, and we're walking down downtown Chicago after like a really nice dinner at Joe's Joe's Seafood, um, and uh, that was that was cool. That was funny. Um, but yeah, I can't say there's too many tricks. So, what what is the besides your first strikeout? Okay, you've had let's see in your career so far. Let me look back at the total here. You had a total of 45 your rookie year. Do you remember who 
out of the batters you struck out, do you remember who uh, you enjoyed striking out the most? Oh, man. If you remember, if you can remember. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who I enjoyed striking out the most. Um, but I remember, I remember, like, probably one of the coolest things that it wasn't in, in actual season, it was in spring training, but it was when I faced Ichiro mm-hmm. in 2018. Um, who I, I struck out, he tipped it. <laughs> I think if I took another pitch, he probably flipped it for a base hit. But um, I thought that was really cool just because I have Ichiro rookie card and bobblehead in my room from a kid, and now I'm facing him. I thought that was awesome. Um, I think uh, one of the, I don't know, a cool strikeout, I forget his name. Uh, man, he was the shortstop for the Pirates in 17. Um, which uh, I've, uh, I'm terrible with names. I'm like the worst athlete. For, the only one for I can think of names, is but... Kevin Newman. That's the only guy. I no, no, I forget. I forget. But I, I don't know. But it, they call me in bases loaded. Uh, we're up by a few runs, and I was like, that was a really cool situation for them to call rookie for bases loaded, two outs. Hey, we need to get this guy. Uh, and they called. They called on me. It was like the fifth or sixth inning or something like that. And I, I don't know. That was like a cool moment for me because it's like, all right, you know, Brian, like he, he trusts me, he likes me, and he thinks I can do it. And so then I got the strikeout. We got out of the inning. Um, but yeah, I don't know specific guys. I don't know. I struck out the last two games in Chicago. The last two games of the year, I struck out the side back to back, October first and October second. I thought that was cool. There and Chicago at Wrigley. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, of all places, yeah, of course. Your rival team. Yeah, Wrigley's yeah, Wrigley's <laughs> awesome. I love that place. So unfortunately you get released on June fifth of twenty eighteen. So you take time off to go over to Japan. You sign Well, let me I think. Hold on. Hold I, on. I, I think. Did. No, never mind. It I doesn't say when you sign. Yeah, it doesn't say when you. Yeah, for my. Yeah, no, so I'll, so. I'll, so I, I wish I just took Tam off. I was actually rehabbing, so I had Tommy John. So I got released because of Tommy John. So when did you actually um, sign? When did you actually sign? Because this this uh doesn't say when you signed, over there. Yeah, signed for what? For ju- to to for go, Japan. Yeah. Oh Play Japan. Oh uh, man, when did we sign? November, December, twenty. 2020 maybe last year so yeah something like that but i I basically had three years of rehab a shoulder uh a shoulder problem after my tommy john surgery coming back from tommy john i was throwing and my shoulder was killing me and no one could figure it out so then the reds released me for that as well so basically what they happened was tommy john uh with the reds right my I blew my shoulder. I blew my elbow up like March 28th before we're leaving uh, for the season and and Sensi. Mm-hmm. And I do a month and a half rehab, go back up, ten days, sent back down, come back up, pitch to the 26 man against the Cubs. Um, tell them my elbow still bothered me because there's like little some issues about the diagnosis and all that stuff. Um, find out, hey, it's torn, which kind of figured it all along. Uh, and then they released me because they could, as long as they paid me and did my rehab. So I stayed with the team and did rehab. Um, then assigned back the following year, 
but as doing rehab for my Tommy John, my shoulder was killing me. No one could figure it out. Everyone just said, oh, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, a impingement or your shoulder's weak and all that. I'm like, look, I'm not weak. I know it's not that. My shoulder's pretty strong and stable. Um, and then I, they released me because no one could figure it out. They paid for rehab. But then I finally got with a doctor in Dallas, Texas, who figured it out, uh, Dr. Greg Pearl, phenomenal vascular surgeon. He figured out that it was a pinched nerve and artery in the back of my shoulder. And so I got that figured out in November of 2019 and then spent all 2020 rehabbing that as well. Mm. So when you do get over there and you play over there for that year, was there? how did you handle the language barrier? Did you have to have a translator with you at all times? Yeah, yeah, they definitely definitely have to have a translator. Um, I picked up a little bit of the language, um, and some of the guys speak broken English, and you can usually kind of play charades and get around some stuff, but uh, it wasn't too bad. I mean, all the Japanese players are phenomenal human beings. Uh, Japanese culture is just amazing in general. The people over there are phenomenal. Um, but the translator's next to you, and I would just say something. If I really need to communicate... Um, you know, and have like specifics, I would translate through my translator or they would tell him and tell me. So it wasn't, it's not a great way to communicate, especially if you're someone like me who likes to talk to people and wants to really get my message across so it doesn't get, uh, you know, blurred or messed up. Uh, not the best way to do it, but it was, uh, it was adequate and, uh, you know, we didn't really have any problems doing it. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I, I wish you could answer this, but you obviously couldn't because you were there last year when no fans could be in attendance. I'm sure that had to hurt because I've heard nothing but how good the fans are over there and not having them there, I mean, it had to hurt you guys a little bit. It had to be feel like yeah, practice. So, yeah, at times there was no fans, which made it uh, pretty pretty dull. Um, at times there, at certain places, there were fans like in, uh, in Osaka at Hanshin, at the Hanshin Tigers, uh, they were out of a prefecture that was shut down by COVID. Um, so they could have full capacity when that was at full capacity is awesome. And cheering, it's never quiet. Um, and everyone's got like, every batter's got their own song and they're always, they're hitting these, you know, little plastic things making noise singing mm. and when that's when it's like that it's, it's like it's one of the coolest things ever and i saw it once we got to see it a few times in the tokyo dome which is cool we a lot half the times ten thousand fans could were allowed to be there but it's nothing like the you know when you get the 35 the forty thousand fans jam-packed everyone singing and the bands playing and all that it's definitely it's really cool and uh, would suggest anyone who's over there, if you get a chance to go see a Japanese baseball game and it's full fans, go see it because there's nothing like it. It's like European soccer, kind of. Everyone's cheering and yelling and stuff. It's great. Now, unfortunately, if you don't get signed by anybody here for the following season, what are your plans? Do you plan on going back to Japan? Do you plan on retiring? What do you want to do if say you don't get signed by a team this year yeah i mean um i don't know i don't know we'll just we'll see we'll see whatever life brings me and uh if i don't get signed by anyone then so be it then uh we'll just have to see wait and see 
But uh, I feel feel certain that if, if you know, if I can still throw some mid-90s with sink and have a wipeout slider, someone's bound to pick me up. I think they always need some sort of help in the in the bullpen. Oh, yeah. All and the teams I, do. I think, uh, yeah. And I think uh, when I'm on, I'm, I'm good. Uh, so it's just a matter of staying healthy and being consistent. So let's talk a little bit about the game of baseball in the state that it is today. Do you like how it's changed uh, where it's gone all analytics, walk, strikeout, uh, home run? For you as a pitcher, do you like that? I mean, honestly, as a pitcher, if you're just looking at the game of baseball, right, you still have to pitch and the hitter still has got to hit, right? Yeah. I think personally analytics have its place in baseball. I don't think it's the end-all be-all. I think there's about there's too much. So, you know, it's too much of the shiny new thing right now. Analytics definitely has this place. But if you talk to someone like, let's say, Jeff Becerra, right? Jeff Becerra could tell you how to pitch people and what their weakness was or what this guy as a pitcher, what his strengths are, right? You don't need a computer to tell you, hey, Josh, or, uh, you know, haters full uh, fastball is a swing and a miss, high spin rate. And he can blow up by people. You don't need a computer to tell you that, right? You don't yes. need to tell you that Jacob Degrom is really freaking good. You don't. You didn't need to tell you that. Uh, y- you know, um, Luis Castillo's changeup is really good, right? Now all it does is it puts numbers on paper that says, "Hey," but until which I think they're getting better at. Until you can tell someone, "Hey, this is your your changeup," and if you grip it like this, or you can make it spin like that then it'll be better, which now they're, they're starting to do and be, and be able to uh, you know, actually put it to work uh, as far as using the analytics into baseball. But at the same time, it's nothing that the old-timers didn't know already by looking at a hitter or looking at their pitches and saying, okay, uh, your slider, you know, all right, you throw from the third base side and your slider would be best if it's down and away to a righty. Okay, I don't need a computer to tell me that. Or, hey, you throw a sinker. It's going to be really hard for a right-hander to throw to hit your sinker if it's down and in. right? Or, oh, you got a really a rise fastball. Like, let's throw that top of the zone. So there's a time and place. I think analytics have have their place. But it's, you know, it's just like it's always about moderation in my mind. And it's nothing that the old-timers didn't already know. They just didn't have an algorithm to tell you guys. Um, but at this, I would say – from what I was in America, pro ball here, coming up, I saw a lack of the young kids, which it could change because I don't know. So I don't want to speak for all the young young guys coming up. But I saw them they had a lack of knowledge of how to sequence and how to pair pitches off it, uh, pitches off each other, and how to. All right, this hitter's you know his hands are high, his hands are low. Is he's he's you know he's back in the box. He's he's close to the plate. Like there's things like that that if you ask any old timer they'd probably know and then it's i feel like some of these youth, um, young kids are just like well if i spin it really hard and i throw it high and then i throw a curveball off that well then I, it should have success but sometimes stats stats lie because you can have some guy um i was actually talking with someone there's a big leaguer i don't name his name but on paper his cutter is not good but in the game it's one of the top 10 cutters in the game as far as, uh, you know, actual in-game analysis. So it's, it's stats have a place, but how much, 
You know, if you're only relying on numbers, you're not just using your visual, what you see, real life data, how batters react and all that, then it's like, what are you really doing? Yeah, but from your standpoint, though, I got I got my own. I see where pitchers just go away, a lot of them. I'm not saying all of them go away with it, but the majority of them only go off analytics of what the hitter is good at basically like a scouting report which i understand which is a part of that analytics but i miss the days of where like it could change when a pit when a batter is up at the plate and say the count is different you know say if what depending on what the count is you don't need analytics to at, in those days, you didn't need analytics to know what pitch to throw. You get what I'm trying to say? I miss those days, and it feels like this, this day, those those uh, pitchers today only look at it as analytics. On what yeah, yeah I'm with you. I'm with you. And like, yeah, the manager pulls someone like uh, Blake Snell, like, what, the sixth, seventh inning when he's dealing yeah. or something yeah. like that? Oh. Marla, you turn that back on? Sorry, thank you. You're okay. Uh, but yeah, you don't need you don't need analytics for common sense. Yeah. Right. And and stats do lie. Sometimes they they lie. Stats aren't the end all be all. Um, but I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Bring back. Uh, there's the human aspect of of the game, right? And sometimes we we make mistakes as human. Or if if a batter just goes up there and just doesn't swing. And you throw three bastard sliders that typically seventy eight percent of the time he'll swing at or whatever, and he just doesn't do anything. Well, you have to take you have to you have to adapt. So I think data should be used as a tool, right, to say okay, typically here, but it's not the end all be all. But you have to have that in game analysis of what is he doing and what's the game telling you and what how many runs is on the board and what's the win like. You know, are they are they hot? Is this team hot? Is this guy hot? You know, what's he done the previous couple of ABs? Uh, what what has our pitcher done in the last five innings? If I come in as a reliever, has he established the inside? Has he not? Is he getting is he getting raked? So there's so much there's so many variables that you have to just have in game analysis while you're on the mound, pitch to pitch, because it, it's it can all just be thrown in the trash at any given moment if the guy just decides to hey, I don't know, I'm not going to swing, or hey, you know what, I'm just going to sit on one pitch, or it just, there's so many variables that I just, it's just tough for you to just completely rely on something you saw on paper, the, the, you know, before the game. Now, you as a pitcher, do you like this idea? The minor leagues went with uh, robotic umps, well, robotic ump bat behind a home plate. If MLB implemented that, how do you think that'll affect the game? And do you honestly like that? I mean, I don't, but do you like that? I hate, I hate the idea. I hate the idea. Keep the human element of baseball in the game, right? Like, we as fans, we want to see bad calls. We want to see the, you know, we want to see the manager get thrown out. That's exciting. Like, that's that's cool. Bring back old baseball where. You know, you got Billy Martin yelling at the umpire for four and a half minutes, cussing him out, saying everything under the sun. Like, I think that was, hey, like, that was 
old baseball with, you know, the human element, like they're going to make mistakes, but then that makes it more exciting because then the next day you can, you know, talk with your friends about how terrible that ump was or whatever. Like who a robot umpire? Like, I don't know. Just like leave the game alone, you know? And it's like, they want to change the game. They want to make it speed it up and all that. I just don't think they're taking into consideration that kids and people today have so many more distractions and things available at their at their fingertips, right? Like this cell phone. You can have 10,000 games at your fingertips, right? You have Xbox, PlayStation. You have football, basketball. You can bet on every sport in the world. You can do so much more. There's so many more distractions than there was 20, 30 years ago. 10, let's say 15, 20, 30 years ago, right? Yep. It's like so they're they're blame they think it's the game that's not bringing people to 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 the seats when I think it's just so many more things that kids are are attracted to or you know their attention is is somewhere else and I don't think that's necessarily the game's fault like unless we're just doing home run derby and you know after the seventh inning or something like that which you know whatever but like I don't know leave the game alone the game's not broken. Stop Stop trying to speed it up and make all these dumb rules. I just think you're going to get to a point where people are just like, nah, whatever. We're now, over I'm glad you said that because I'm with you in that same boat. Is that what you think, like, me as well? Tell me if you think like me on this as well. That's where the game has gone wrong nowadays, especially for the casual fan who just watches it. The ratings are completely down than what they were in the past. Do you think it's because of that or because they don't know how to market the game with their play with with key players for the casual fans? Yeah, I mean, hey, that last statement you said holds a lot of weight. Uh, I can't tell you, go up to the people and just ask them, do you know who Mike Trout is? Just go walk around. Half of them be like, who? Right. And that's your best player. You're not marketing him, right? You're not putting him... On front now, granted, Mike Trout might not want to be marketable, right? But I think it's the league's job to make things more appealing in an aspect of just getting to know players. Um, I think they should do more to just promote everyday players as well, like all, all of them. Uh, maybe I don't know. Just let, but I think also letting players be themselves and not having to put on a show and be politically correct and all this and whatever i mean politically correct to a to a to a certain right we don't want to offend everyone right but we don't want to we don't want to just put up fake wall smoke and mirrors uh, but you want to have fun i think i think a lot of people are having fun but i just i'm with you i just don't think they they showcase people's true personalities and promote players that they should as well as you know we think they should. Now, part of that, do you think it's also because of scheduling as well? Because for for like we're on the we're on the east coast, uh, no west yeah. coast, which is eastern time. Well, we're, well, I'm while well, I'm on the west side of Florida, but whatever. You get what I mean. We're on the other coast. Yeah, we're on and, the east coast, and there's west coast. Yeah, and those games don't start until ten, and it's yeah. hard for like to stay up and watch the late games. Do you think that also oh, has sure. part? You think that's also part of the problem, too? Yeah, I mean, definitely. That definitely think it's part of the problem. And I, and I think we play too many games, honestly. There's too many games, and they're just kind of like, oh, another baseball game. 
But like, why do we need to play 162 yeah, games? Yeah, but isn't that what the players want, though? Because that's how they get paid, right? Isn't that what they want? I don't know. Not the smart ones. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to play 162 games. Just, hey, just pay the same and cut cut the games down to 142. Um, you know, I think everyone's going to make enough money. But, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, it sounds like, you know, that's, that's what they want for, for money-wise. But I feel like when you have something that much going on, it kind of just waters it down. But if that was the case about making money, then you'd say, well, why doesn't NFL put, make uh, play more games, you know? But NFL kills it, right? They're the number one grossing sport. And what, how many games do they play? 30? Or how much? How many? I don't even know. Well, let's see. In the season, this is their longest one. This is the first time they're playing 17. There's 18 17, weeks. so 30, way yeah. off. Yeah, so, so 17 games, right? Yeah. So you're telling me that the players couldn't, crush it with 142 games and make just as much money no i, I would agree say with you. i agree with you yeah yeah, yeah. so I, I don't i don't know so i don't think anyone let's also now talk about the team that you were with the reds in your opinion what do you think needs to happen for them to be where they want to be which is the playoffs because i know right now i don't care what anybody says or what the Reds fans think, but pretty much I think they're in a rebuild mode. What do they need well, to do to get to the playoffs again? Man, uh, I feel like they've been in a rebuild, rebuild mode since I was there in 2017. Um, you know, I don't, I can't speak specifically to them because I, I haven't been in that run that organization and the coaching staff and all that. And I've heard great things about the coaching staff. Uh, and I know there's some phenomenal, great human being uh, players and coaches staff there. Um, so I can't really speak specifically to the Reds, but I could say that on any team that's good, a winning team, you have one, a common goal, right? Which you think everyone would have a common goal in baseball is to win the World Series, right? right. But it's not the case because a lot of people just play for themselves, which is easy to do because it's a very individualized sport that's on a team, which kind of doesn't make sense to people but you're you're playing for yourself because if you don't play good then you're out right yeah um but a sense of direction like of this is how we want the team to be and this is how we're going to put pieces in place to to become that right it's first you know there's there's a good book called uh uh from good to great i don't know if you've ever read it but his thing is first who then where right so first you get the good your players right the players you want to build your team around and they can't just be good talented players they have to be good people that are leaders that people can look up to and respect right if you don't have those core guys to kind of shepherd the rest then it doesn't matter how many great players you're going to have around there that you that you get or buy trade whatever if you don't have someone who's like a true leader leading you in the right direction, you're, you're not – chances of you being good aren't that great. But I f- truly feel if you don't have the big camaraderie as a team and everyone's in it together, everyone has each other's backs, um, then it's just a tough road to be a really successful winning team. And that's that's my opinion. First, first two, then where? You get the good guys who want to win that – that will push other people, right? Like, if Jordan wasn't on the Bulls, would the Bulls be the Bulls? But point. Jordan was there, right? And then he had Pippen, 
and he had Rodman, right? And then they got guys to help, and he shepherded them. He said, hey, he's pushing them. He's driving them, right? Yeah. And now I'm not saying, like, I'm not saying there's not guys on the, you know, I'm not saying that guys on the, on the Reds can't do that or don't do that or whatever, but I do think there was, when I was there, it was a lack of, uh, lack of, I don't know how I'd say it. It's like identity. It was just like, we're the Reds, right? But it's like the Cardinals is the Cardinals way or the Yankees way, right? Or, or it's like you have a certain path and direction. Basically, like and, you're trying to say, like, no leadership, basically. Would you say that? Kind of? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say you need, like, really good... Yeah. Yeah, you need really good leadership. Fair enough. So, two questions before I let you go. The first one is... What do you want to do after career? Do you want to get into broadcasting, coaching, scouting... What do you want to do? Oh, man. I wish I could just travel the world and fish, but I can't. That doesn't pay very well. <laughs> uh, man, I, I think something uh, entrepreneurial-wise, um, I'm not really sure yet. Um, but luckily, I don't, I don't really have to figure that out. Um, I don't think coaching I, – I love to help kids uh, and – you know, but I just don't, I don't think, uh, one, I don't know if I have the, the patience, um, yet for coaching and, and I don't think it, it doesn't pay enough for what I want to do. I want to, I want to be able to travel the world one day and fish and, and do all that. But yeah, something, I gotta be my own boss. I think there you go. it's just cause I, it's just cause I, I, I just feel like I've seen too many people that are in positions that are terrible at what they do, but they're in the position. And I always call it uh, failing upwards. And you see it in baseball all the time. The part of me would love to, to coach and be in baseball, be in the front office, though, and try to run an organization the right way. Because there's so many people that run organizations in pro baseball that are just terrible. Oh, yeah. They're terrible. Oh, yeah. They're terrible. Yeah, they're terrible with organization. They're terrible with uh, treating people with hu- like, like humans with respect, kindness. Um, like, you know, just like, you know, it's a totally different organization now with the brewers that when I was there, but how are you going to release some guy and I find out on Twitter and no one tells me yep. like that's, a, that's a lack of leadership, right? Yep. If you're going to make the deal and you have someone's like livelihood and career and their dream in your hands, don't you want, have enough courage to tell them, call right. them, I agree. you know, tell yeah. them to the face. I, I agree. Um, but I don't know. I just, hopefully eventually I could, I can be well enough off that where I could just, I could help people and do, you know, uh, you know, some philanthropy stuff. So I don't know, but don't really know where I'm going to go after baseball, but I'll be all right. We're go. in America, right? Exactly. There you go. You got, got plenty of time to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> plenty of time. So my last question to you is, I ask this to every baseball guest I have. It's, I know it's way too early. We're in a lockout. Who would you want to see in the World Series, out of the AL and NL, and who do you want winning? Oh man, uh, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't even care. Uh, the one I'm on, whichever team I'm on, that's paying me. I'd love that. Uh, I don't know who hasn't won it in a long time. Let's we'll see. I mean, you got the Cubs finally won it, right? So, yeah. yep. 
And then the Braves, I mean, I would say the Braves, they just won it. I mean, man. And you know, you know, I, I couldn't really answer that, but you know what I, I do cheer for? I cheer for uh, guys that I know who are good quality human beings. There you go. And if they're on a team, then I cheer for them, and I just want them to have success and do good. Um, or or always an underdog, you know, a team that hasn't won it in a while. Maybe like the Mariners. I think the Mariners would be awesome. You know, old buddy Mitch Hanniger's on that team. Throw in my Padres. Uh, huh? Mitch's? No, throw in my Padres. Oh, yeah. Let's let's go. Yeah, let's go Padres. I'm, I'm in for it. <laughs> Someone who hasn't won it in a long time. I'm, I'm here for you. Let's do it. How about Padres Rays World Series? How about that? that that'd be cool. That'd be cool, but you know, you know, MLB wants uh, wants that, you know, that big big market uh, matchups. I know, yeah. what they want. Yeah, I know it's not going to happen, but you can only dream, right? You can always dream. It'll happen one day. <laughs> for well, for sure. I mean, they're number one and number two in prospects, so yeah, who knows? Bound to happen, maybe. I don't know, but we'll see. But I do thank you. It was fun. I'm. Uh, thank- you're more than welcome to come on anytime you want. I got your info. You got mine. So that, that sounds good, my man. Thank you, Byron. It was a pleasure. It was, and I'll stay in touch with you. I'll send you. All right, episode, my man. I'll send you the episode, and I'll send you the YouTube link. Awesome. Happy have a happy holidays, same my man. Same to you Be and good. Your, same to you and your family. Happy holidays. Thank, thank you, brother. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. So that concludes episode number 63 of Coffee Time with Kevin Shackelford, uh, current pitcher, free agent pitcher. Hope he gets on a team. It was fun talking ball with him. See you guys next week. Have on a couple football players. Stay tuned for that. And happy holidays. Stay safe out there.